Hello and welcome to the Sobirov's live show. And today I'm joined by my colleague, Mariam Jamal. Welcome to the studio. Thank you so much for having me, Rahman. Today we will be talking about one of the most popular business immigration programs called intra-company transfer. So Mariam is an expert in that field and we will get all the insights from her directly. First, before we delve into the topic, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience? It's your first uh, guest interview and I hope it will not be the last. Um, so as you said, my name is Miriam Jamal. I'm a business immigration lawyer here at Cyberovs. I work very extensively with the ICT program and have been doing so for a number of years. Um, I've seen a lot of cases come across my plate and um, yeah, there's a lot to learn and a lot to love about the ICT program and I'm happy to have the opportunity to kind of break it down for everyone today. What is ICT? Why don't you run us through basic understanding of that program? Sure, so the ICT program is uh, basically a program for um, existing businesses that want to expand to Canada or businesses that have Canadian offices and they want to um, bring their employees over to work for the Canadian entity, affiliate, subsidiary, branch, whatever we want to call it. Um, uh, oftentimes we deal with um, what we call startup ICTs and that companies that have uh, been established and have been successful and continue to be successful in their uh, home countries, um, but they want to start and, and open up a new presence in Canada and you know get started on that expansion. To begin with for the business, the business has to have been operational for at least one year. We typically recommend three years just so that the business can you know, get off the ground, show a positive um, history, a financial history performance. So that means two things. One, it has to have a um, positive financial history. Um, that can mean revenue. You know, sometimes if a company's an R&D, for example, there may not necessarily be profit to show, but there's good activity. There's good um, either revenue or funding coming through. It's not having any, any trouble funding its own operations, paying its own employees, things like that. And we want to be able to see liquidity. So obviously one of the things that happens with any kind of business expansion is that you need to show that you can actually fund the operations in Canada. So do you have the funds to do that? Right. Um, the companies also need to have a qualifying relationship. So what that means is they have to be related. So the foreign company can either be um, the parent company, the sole owner of the Canadian company, or they can be owned by the same group of people just to show that there is that relationship there. And um, they, the employee they bring over, the one that they want to transfer, has to be uh, have been engaged with the company, employed by the company for at least 12 months in the last three years and needs to be transferred over in a similar capacity. So you can't take, for example, a lower level, low, lower level management uh, employee and like suddenly promote them to executive. You need to show that they have the skills and the knowledge to do what you're bringing them over to Canada to do, right? In terms of the Canadian operations, so obviously if you're talking about a startup, what can you really show about a company that hasn't existed yet? Um, you want to show that there is a feasible and viable um, business to start or expand in Canada, right? So you have to show a reason why you're yes. expanding to Canada. Yeah, you have to show why, like, why is this expansion worthwhile? Why do you want to do this? What's your plan for the co company in Canada? Mm -hmm. And what's your plan for the person coming over? What are they expected to do with the company? Mm -hmm. So the way you do that, the way we encourage um, clients to do that is to create um, or work on a business plan. Tell us what's, why business plan is important for intra-company transfer. Is it mandatory or is it desirable, optional? 
Let's start with that. So it's not mandatory. There's not a specific requirement in the program that says must provide business plan. But again, when we're talking, especially about startups for young companies, we, um, it all comes down to feasibility and viability. Mm -hmm. The officer, the, the Immigration Canada, IRCC, wants to see that the business that you're proposing or the business that you know is, is in process is um, feasible and viable. Well, if there's not much you can point to in terms of evidence so far, history for the business, the next best thing, the only other best thing is to show that you've done thorough research and you've been able to put together a business plan to show that, you know, fine, it's just an idea right now. We want to do this, but here's everything we've searched for. Here's how the market's looking. Here's what our competition is looking like. Here's what we bring to the table and why we're going to be successful. Um, and here's how we're going to build up to that success. You put that in a business plan and you provide it to the officer to say, hey, here's how I can show and I can, you know, for lack of a better word, prove that my business will be feasible and viable in Canada. Is this program open to citizens of all countries or is there like list of countries where the foreign business can can come from there's no restrictions which is the important part right anyone from any country any company from any country can take advantage of this program is there any limitation as to what they can do what industries they can go into in canada are there any restrictions um no restrictions provided it's not a um an area that's uh, prohibited in Canada in general. As long as it's not an illegal business, mm -hmm. then any industry works. We've worked with IT companies, manufacturing, um, trading, wholesale and retail distribution, food, um, really at, like the range is, is very, very broad. You can really do, there's no limitation on what industry you, you can go into. Tell us more about the importance of language skills of an applicant for the ICT application. So that's actually another benefit of the, or advantage rather, of the ICT program is that there's no language requirement. Um, IRCC doesn't ask you to prove that you can speak English, you can speak French, it's just simply, it's just not simply a requirement. So non, our clients don't provide um, any evidence of English language. Obviously on the ground, one thing you'll want to think about as a business person, if you really don't speak English or French is, okay, should I maybe hire someone and should I include in my business plan that the first step is to hire someone who can take care of that English language communication? Mm -hmm. um, that becomes a consideration just from a business perspective rather than, oh my God, do I meet the program requirements or not? Now, let's talk about um, the, the funds mm -hmm. because you said the business, in, uh, the foreign business that wants to expand to Canada needs to be a solid business, mm -hmm. right? with how much money they ha should have in their accounts. Sure, so the program itself doesn't have a minimum or maximum requirement. Um, it, again, all comes down to feasibility, right? Mm -hmm. You need to show that you have enough money to feasibly be able to execute and start your business. Um, typically, just based on the experience we've had and the clients we've had um, and their scenarios, we recommend that um, Companies should have gross sales of about at least at minimum $250,000, the more the better. Mm -hmm. um, and they should have uh, or be able at least to show a minimum of one hundred dollars to $150,000 uh, Canadian dollars, equivalent of that, mm -hmm. in liquid funds to show that they have this sum of money that they can put into their Canadian company so that they can get their operations mm -hmm. um, started, they can cover their expenses, including paying any employees that they hire, um, but that varies as well. It also comes down to 
industry requirements, right? So if you're maybe an asset light business, you don't need to really buy a lot of materials or invest in a lot of product. Um, maybe the amount you need to start a feasible business is lower. If you're going into something more asset heavy where you have to buy a lot of inventory or invest in like expensive equipment, then um, your minimum investment amount is probably going to be a, a little higher. You're gonna have to show a little more money to show that you can execute what you're, what you're suggesting. In many countries, in developing world especially, uh, people don't keep the money in their corporate accounts, rather they have it in the shareholders' main owners' accounts. Would, would, would that be okay? Not the company, but the main shareholder has the for money sure. to demonstrate for the expansion in Canada. Okay. Yeah, definitely. So it doesn't, when we say liquidity, that can be money that the company has in a corporate bank account, or it can be money that one or more of the owners has um, in their personal accounts, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, at the end of the day, the company's money, the owner's money, it's, it's kind of a little interchangeable in that, mm -hmm. you know, the owner has an interest in the expansion. So the owner has, um, a reason to to want to invest their own funds into this as well. So we've um, we've had scenarios where we rely just on the corporate funds. Sometimes we rely just on the personal funds of the owners. Sometimes it's a mix. Sometimes it's the corporate and and personal funds of owner one, owner two. It, it just needs to come together, and whatever arrangement that looks like generally is fine. What was the lowest amount you had to deal with in ICT, or what was the the creative approach that you use in terms of mm -hmm. demonstrate enough money in cases where for example like a client or a company already has clients in canada mm -hmm. um we don't have to rely so much on an upfront lump sum because we can demonstrate through these you know invoices for these companies or contracts with their um uh um, uh, customers or clients in Canada, there is cash flow, yeah. right? So the initial amount doesn't necessarily need to be the 150 like sweet spot. 150,000 yeah, or something. 150, that. Uh -huh. um, we can go lower than that because we can supplement and say, but look, they have like, they're already making money in Canada. They're simply they have sales in an office. Yes, there's sales coming through and these, excuse me, sales will be transferred over to the Canadian company once it's established. Mm -hmm. um, other times it's possible to also have, there's nothing barring a, um, or, or prohibiting a company from having investors, right? If you don't necessarily have the cash on hand, but you have um, an investor that's willing to either give you a loan or, you know, in cases of R&D, for example, they're willing to just simply invest in what you're, you're putting together. That is also can be considered a source of funds. It's also possible in cases if, if you know, you know, one practice that's quite uh, common is that, people take their cash, even their personal cash, and they invest it in real estate, right? Mm -hmm. That They have that asset, that asset is worth money, it's just not liquid. So something that people do from time to time is that they'll take out a mortgage against their property, saying this is the value of my, my property, I have this property, and here's the liquid funds that um, kind of coincide with that and what I can put forward towards um, my expansion mm -hmm. plans. Let me put some questions related to each category so that we can delve into that. One how long those people have to be associated with home company in order to be able to transit? Question number one to category number one, owners and, uh, and shareholders, right? Yeah. Who own the company. Can there be a new owner, like a person just sold a part of his company 
to another person, that new person, can he be or she be transferred to Canada? An owner or not an owner, whoever that person is, needs to be, um, needs to have worked in and be affiliated with a business for at least one year or 12 months in the last three years before transferring. And the operative here is, it's more than just owning the business, you have to be actively working with and mm -hmm. taking on a role in the company. I understand that all these categories that are eligible to be transferred through intra-company transfer are the people that are necessary mm -hmm. for the Canadian operations, right? There is a necessity, there is a need for them to be in Canada. Yeah. So you have to demonstrate that need, I guess. Is that... Yeah, that's exactly okay. right. Um, and the reason is, well, it's twofold, right? Um, as much as, and it is a priority, of course, to encourage and support international trade and business and global economics and, and business practices, um, the government also wants to see that your what you're creating in Canada will have a positive impact on Canada as well, whether that's generating funds or generating um, you know revenue to um, inject into the economy, but also that you're creating jobs, right? That bringing these people over, whether it's an executive, whether it's a senior manager, or whether it's a specialized knowledge worker, will improve the conditions of the company to allow you to hire more and grow, right? Mm -hmm. If the person you, if the position you need to fill can be filled in Canada, obviously um, creating opportunities to hire Canadians is great. Um, but in these specific categories, these three categories, it's acknowledged and understood that you know, you're trying to bring someone over who has experience and who has the capacity to create new things for people, right? It's not simply just filling in a role for the sake of it. This person's function um, will necessarily, whether it's an executive who needs to hire a team or whether it's a senior manager who needs to take over and grow a team or guide a team, or whether it's a specialized knowledge worker that's gonna create new capacity and knowledge within the team. And transfer knowledge and transfer to the knowledge. Canadians. Exactly. So now, um, Looking at from that perspective, so those people come on a temporary basis. How long is the work permit for ICT? Yeah, so it can range from one to two years typically. And if it's under a specific um, treaty agreement or economic agreement, it can be even up to three years for the initial work permit. Mm -hmm. um, for startup uh, startup ICT applications, typically the work permit is approved on a one-year basis to begin with um, so that you can take that time to kind of get your business started and then you can of course renew um, for um, specialized knowledge workers, I believe it's five years and for executives and senior managers up to seven years seven to years. extend. Yeah. Okay. You extend every, let's say, two, three years, I think. Yeah, so Depending before, the, uh, expiry exactly. date. Okay. before the work permit expires, you just, you, you file for extension. And now the many people ask about, okay, I transferred my, my people from this, this entity, this home, home entity to Canadian entity. Where do I pay the salaries? Um, for executives and senior managers, um, the choice really is up to the, the employer okay. and possibly like the preference, if there's a preference, the preference of the worker. Um, they can be paid either by the Canadian company or they can stay on the foreign company payroll. For specialized knowledge workers, they need to be paid by the Canadian uh, company. Um, 
Typically, uh, for, for specialized knowledge workers, it's important to keep uh, in mind and stick to the median wage according to um, the location that they're being moved to and the industry that they're in, right? Um, typically, for executives and senior managers, whether they're being transferred over to uh, the Canadian payroll or they stay on the foreign payroll, we often recommend that whatever that number is at least meets the minimum, like, um, minimum wage requirements to live live in Canada right so that can range depending on the area sometimes it's 50,000 a year sometimes it's 60 and then sky's the limit you can go you can go up of course there's no no one's gonna penalize you for paying your employees more now I had the question recently if I uh, the entrepreneur the business owner said I will transfer my team like a small team to Canada but after a while I noticed that they want to stay in Canada permanently permanent residence application for who under this category, who has the advantage of working in Canada? Does their, <coughs> is there a calculation towards their Canadian experience? How can I make sure that I help the, them to get permanent residence? Plus I keep them in my company because you know, their loyalty level will increase. I don't lose this kind of specialized knowledge and senior managers when I transfer them to Canada. All three categories can uh, apply under for, for express entry, um, and all three can apply for the, um, specifically under the, the federal skilled worker mm -hmm. stream. Mm -hmm. um, for executives and senior managers, they, um, well, in general, they have to put in at least one year of work in the Canadian company before yes. they apply. Um, for executives and senior managers, they may be eligible to get 50 to 200 points, uh, additional points towards their, their score for express entry, which mm -hmm. can bump them up uh, and uh, get them that invitation to apply. For specialized knowledge workers um, or non-business owners in general, if they don't have shares in the company, whether they're executives, senior managers or specialized knowledge workers, they can also apply for the Canadian experience class. So one year minimum of experience on payroll in a Canadian company, and then um, they can check their eligibility, check their scores. And the more years of experience you put into the company, the more points you get for your Canadian experience. Business owners, unfortunately, don't qualify under Canadian experience because they're considered self-employed. Mm -hmm. They're only, they're, primary stream for PR will likely be uh, will likely be the federal skilled worker stream. Those employers who are transferred uh, from foreign country to Canada, they can bring their families too. Yes, okay. yes. So with the initial application, the work permit application even, they can bring their spouse, they can bring their children. Um, all together, we, we, our default is to apply for families together to come to Canada. Um, because we recognize, you know, even just one year away from your family can be difficult for the family unit. So, and the government recognizes that as well, which is why this, this uh, arrangement exists. And they can uh, benefit from all the good things that yep. Canada offers while they are on a work permit status. Yeah, so that's actually uh, something I'd love to share with people mm -hmm. is that when you uh, are on your work permit, when you bring your family, um, you know, Canada has universal health care. You can, you're eligible for that through the province. Um, you can get that, you know, free health care that Canada is known uh, worldwide for. Um, your children can go to public schools. They can access the education system. Um, it's a lot more well-rounded than I think many people understand or, or recognize. 
how about if a foreign company buys an existing Canadian company? Can ICT still work? On, on yeah, ICT can still work. Mm -hmm. um, you don't have to be in the exact same line of business as what you're doing abroad. Um, it can be a parallel industry. It can be something a little bit more um, at arm's length, perhaps, mm -hmm. um, provided you can provide uh, provided you can give a justification for, um, again, it all comes down to feasibility and viability. Mm -hmm. So if you're um, suggesting to buy a business in an unrelated area, you have to demonstrate how transferring someone from within your company with their own set of experience with your company and with the industry that you work in um, can successfully do their job in a different industry, mm -hmm. right? And please also evaluate this scenario that Okay, I moved from my home country, home company to my um, Canadian company. Do I have to keep my home company active? Can I clo close it and focus on only on Canadian side? Yes, yes, for the ICT program, especially to keep that work permit valid and to be able to extend and then apply for PR, the home company, the foreign company needs to be active and that qualifying relationship, as it's called, between both companies has to be maintained. What are the advantages of ICT and what are disadvantages? And I'll follow up with another question. So there's a lot of advantages for, uh, uh, for ICT, uh, chief among them being that your, uh, whoever is transferred can be eligible for PR. Um, the, uh, there's not any upfront uh, business execution requirements. So, you know, one of the questions we get often is, do I have to transfer my, my money, my liquid funds to Canada? No, you don't. Mm -hmm. um, do I have to start doing business? No, you don't. That's the whole purpose of you transferring someone over. Mm -hmm. um, so it can really just be based on the business plan. So it's lower risk in that regard mm -hmm. than maybe other programs. Um, drawbacks, uh, Definitely maintaining that relationship, uh, especially over a, a, a extended period of time, you have to be very careful about that. Um, expanding your business well beyond um, what your existing business does mm -hmm. um, and the industry that you're you're specialized in, um, it can get a little bit. The further away you get, the more um, you really have to prove that you're able to do what you say you're going to do. So there's not as much flexibility in terms of like entrepreneurial freedom or creativity. Um, those I think would be the main um, value adds and drawbacks. If I, if I come to Canada through ICT and I have plan A, but I see after coming to Canada, this plan is not working. It's not realistic. Can I switch to plan B? Like, can I pivot my business? The, the goal with this program, the goal with these you know, immigration programs in general is not to penalize or punish um, business owners and entrepreneurs for trying something new. Mm -hmm. It's to provide them with the opportunity to be entrepreneurs, right? So if you come and you try your business and it's not working 100%, you can pivot. If I'm not eligible for the ICT because my company is not yet strong enough or you know, old enough, what, what's the best alternative in terms of immigration programs? What's the best alternative to the ICT? Uh, we've had clients that are just shy from like the minimum requirements needed for ICT. So they start with C11. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes time to extension, for example, we reevaluate. Re Should you continue with a C11 work permit? Or are you now in a position where you can do ICT? Mm -hmm. um, uh, we've had in some cases, uh, instead of C uh, ICT, they, do the, they go the LMIA route. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes if they're, um, if they're if, depending on where they are, the pr uh, provincial nominee programs may be the best fit. So 
uh, we, I don't like to say that there. This is program option number one is the best program option number. Like program number two is the um, second best. It really is just case specific. It's it's differs from person to person. What are the top three or five tips you may you want to give for those who are contemplating to expand to Canada to do business in Canada, perhaps through ICT. Um, first is uh, talk to a professional. Make sure you understand the program and how it applies to you. Tip number two is be very, very um, intentional and focus on your evidence. I know oftentimes with immigration, it's a mountain of documents that are requested. It can be a little bit overwhelming, um, but the evidence is what makes the application, right? Take the business plan into account, definitely. Even though it's not, it's not a required document, it's an incredibly helpful document. Um, Nearly, I would even say 99% of our clients um, do work with us to put a business plan. And that's the key here as well is when you're putting together a business plan, make sure you're working with someone who understands business and who understands immigration. I think those are my three top tips. Well, thank you very much, Mariam, for your valuable insights, for your time. I know you're super, super busy. Hope to see you again in the studio whenever there's a huge update about ICT, legislation change, regulations change. Let us know, we will interview you again for the benefit of our audience. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you. See you in Canada soon. Bye-bye.